0: That entire scripture, it is throw off everything that hinders hinders, and fix your eyes on Jesus. And listen, everything in your life, no matter what that is, it should pass through the filter. It should pass through the lens of throw off everything that hinders and fix your eyes on Jesus. Let me tell you something, students, that what I'm about to say is 100% true. And if you test it, you will be blown away at what God can do in your life. If you would just fix your eyes on Jesus and everything that distracts you, everything that pulls against you, if you would just throw that to the side and fix your eyes on Jesus, your life will be the fullest life it could ever possibly be. That is the message of Christianity. It is, listen, we have all of these distractions in our life. We got all this kind of stuff going on. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, the priority is Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And when we have a conversation like this and we say that everything needs to pass through the filter or the lens of Jesus, when we have that conversation, then we have to understand the times that we're living in. God used men all throughout scripture who actually understood the times that we're in. And listen, we are in interesting times right now. In fact, there's a there's a passage in First Chronicles. We'll pop that up on the screen. And you can see this in scripture where this is the case. It says this, um, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. And so they had brought together all of these different officials and these men understood the times. And I think that is our responsibility as pastors, our responsibility as leaders, our responsibility as men and women of God to understand the times we're living in and figure out the, the trappings and the things that come around us so that we know how to respond in those particular situations. Now, here's the deal. When we have this conversation about digital discernment and we have this conversation about technology, I I wanna hit it from two angles and I want those two angles to soak in because I think this could be really powerful if you understand this and get this tonight. The first I would say is this, is that technology in the digital age that we live in is unbelievably amazing. And it has incredible benefits. We have information coming at us at a speed that has never happened in all of history. We can research and study. We can find answers to things. We can do things much more rapidly today because of the access that we have to information all over the world. Like if someone writes a book in France, it's translated in English and you could pick it up online in a very short period of time. This is so cool about some of the things that technology. If you, any shoppers in the house? We got any shoppers? You can, oh my God, the guys are like this. I don't really want to email. And I know y'all think that's ancient, but email is so much cheaper than sending letters. Like sending mail to, is like old. We don't even mail out things anymore from H12. We just send emails out. We send text out. We send things through social media. That is the primary format of communication that we use. It's so much cheaper. We save thousands of dollars by doing that. And the communication is effective. We got texting. You can in in you know discreet ways communicate with people about different things. Right? You can even if you're in a board meeting, you can pull out your phone real quick and shoot a quick text just to let your wife know when you're going to be home. At least for me anyway, because you're not married and uh, uh but you can listen to music you can access music all different kinds of music from all over the place and we all have different types of music that we like different varieties different genres and so we can go online and we can pull that stuff out and listen to whatever music i think this is cool because i'm a nerd like this you can you can pull up like books online now you don't have to go to a library it's crazy it's insane books are better. <laughs> no, they're not. And, uh, burn all the books. No. And, uh, and so, and I like to read <laughs> the Bible's a book. I can read it on my app. And, uh, anyways, the Bible app, U version. So anyways, um, so, so listen, so there's tons of benefits when it comes to social media. Listen, let me tell you some, let me tell you some cool benefits for the first time in history the Bible has been translated into every major language in the entire world and it is accessible in almost every place in the entire world. That is incredible. That is, te- that is technology. That is what technology has done. And what's cool about that is, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, and this is a thought I wanna, I wanna kind of lead out with is this, here's the thought. How are you leveraging technology to share the love of Christ with people. See, I think that if that if if technology is this powerful tool that God has given us to be able to leverage for His glory and for His kingdom, how are you leveraging technology to share the love of Christ? See, this is what I would say. I would say that we have no problems posting things through social media, sending texts like that, things that things that don't make any sense whatsoever, things that are mean and cruel, and things that are all in between. Yet, yet. Very little conversation is going on about things that matter, spiritual things. I think this is so cool. I think that you can be a new believer and not really know what you want to, know not really feel comfortable talking to your friends openly about your faith and things like that. But man, you could post a... Bible verse on your social media, or you can, you can share some things about what God's doing in your life. And you could begin to share your story and your friends read that. And they hear about that. And it begins to have an impact in their life. And then when they're going something through something in their life and say, Hey, I know you went through this and I've been seeing some of the posts you are, and I can tell there's a difference in you. And I see this join you, man. I'd, I'd love to have this conversation with you about, about what, what, what you like, what's different. And then you get to have that conversation and talk to them about Jesus. I mean, what a cool thing about technology. Let me tell you something. I believe that your generation is, has the opportunity to leverage technology in such a way that will have a greater kingdom impact for Jesus than any other generation in the history of the world. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And I want you to just think about this for a minute. How are you using the tools that God has placed in your hand. You are more computer savvy, tech savvy, social media savvy, iPad savvy than any of us adults in this room. How are you using that to leverage sharing your faith and sharing the love of Christ with the people around you? Now, not only is there great benefits to technology in this digital discernment conversation, but but we also know that there's dangers that come With this. And there's some dangers that are pretty obvious when we have the conversation about social media and and, and all the things that come in this. And um and and one of the obvious dangers I think is this is that is that we can tend to be oblivious to the real world. That that we literally have a false sense of what the real world is like. This sense of adventure, they say, studies showed, has been squelched among uh, young, among millennials, among your generation, because it's like, why would I need to go to the Grand Canyon when I can just look at pictures of it on my phone? And this idea of of things just uh, just not being in the real world as a result of that, and a part of that, and a part of that is is that we we have a hard time observing the things around us because we're always walking around with our head down. And so earlier tonight, I was watching everybody as they were hanging out. I was just wanting to see how people were acting and doing and different things around their phone. And it's amazing just to see how many people are just walking around with their heads down, not engaging in conversations. I was at lunch today, and I was looking around, and every person in the entire restaurant except for one table of like 80-year-old ladies. I actually pointed it out to Koi and uh, and Stephen because we were sitting in there and I knew we were gonna be talking about this night. Had their phones on the table right in front of them or they were on it texting or looking at social media or reading things on their phone. And all of them were sitting in groups of people or sitting with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Like this is the age that we live in. And I think what happens is that if we're not careful, we can miss each other. And I think there's some pretty funny things that happen when you're not looking up and not paying attention, like like check out this video. Texting and walking, that thoroughly modern epidemic. Look at this guy walk into a wall, or this woman walk into a mall water fountain. And check this out, a bear on the loose, and this man texting almost walks right into him. The videos are funny, but the problem is serious. According to the most recent numbers, more than 1,000 people went to emergency rooms because they got hurt while walking and distracted on the phone, double the year before, which was double the year before that. Bonnie Miller walked off this pier into Lake Michigan and had to be rescued by the Coast Guard. That's pretty crazy, <laughs> right? Has anybody ever seen anybody walk in anything before? Okay. Honestly. Who in here has walked into something before because you were texting? I have. I, I'll be, I'm, I've done that. And, uh, and it's pretty embarrassing, right? And this is what happens. Listen, what happens is, is that because we're always looking down, we're missing out on things, but check this out. Medical research is showing that your generation is having a deterioration of the muscles in their neck because of you always looking down and the body human body was never created to be like this all the time and they have no clue what the long-term effects are going to be because we are just walking around looking down all the time we're sitting there looking at an ipad playing a game because we're looking down all the time and as i mentioned before when we look down we miss out in fact, I saw another video. Many of you have, m- may have seen this video before, but it highlights the, the it highlights this this idea of the things that we can that we can miss by doing this. Now, let me say this. Let me preface this video. There's a bad word in this video. It's and uh, and, and uh, yeah, it's a bad word. And uh, and so when and, and it's bastard. Just to give you a heads up. So it's going to come on there, and you're going to be. Like, huh? You'll be all right. All right. <laughs> The rest of the video is worth it, so just ignore that word when it happens. But I want you to hear this video because I think that this really draws home the point of what I'm talking about in our generation, my generation, your generation. Check this out.
1: I have 422 friends, yet I'm lonely. I speak to all of them every day, yet none of them really know me. The problem I have sits in the spaces between, looking into their eyes or at a name on a screen. I took a step back and opened my eyes. I looked around and realised that this media we call social is anything but. When we open our computers and it's our doors we shut. All this technology we have is just an illusion. Community companionship, a sense of inclusion. Yet when you step away from this device of delusion, you awaken to see a world of confusion. A world where we're slaves to the technology we mastered. Where information gets sold by some rich, greedy bastard. A world of self-interest, self-image, self-promotion. Where we all share our best bits, but leave out the emotion. We're at our most happy with an experience we share. But is it the same if no one is there? Be there for your friends, and they'll be there too. But no one will be if a group message will do. We edit and exaggerate, crave adulation. We pretend not to notice the social isolation. We put our words into order till our lives are glistening. We don't even know if anyone is listening. Being alone isn't a problem. Let me just emphasize if you read a book, paint a picture, or do some exercise, you're being productive and present, not reserved and recluse. You're being awake and attentive and putting your time to good use. So when you're in public and you start to feel alone, put your hands behind your head, step away from the phone. You don't need to stare at your menu or at your contact list, just talk to one another, learn to coexist. I can't stand to hear the silence of a busy commuter train where no one wants to talk through the fear of looking insane. We're becoming unsocial. It no longer satisfies to engage with one another and look into someone's eyes. We're surrounded by children who since they were born have watched us living like robots and think it's the norm. It's not very likely you'll make world's greatest dad if you can't entertain a child without using an iPad. When I was a child I'd never be home Be out with my friends on our bikes we'd roam. I'd wear holes in my trainers and graze up my knees We'd we'll build our own clubhouse high up in the trees Now the park's so quiet it gives me a chill See no children outside and the swings hanging still There's no skipping, no hopscotch, no church and no steeple We're a generation of idiots, smartphones and dumb people So look up from your phone, shut down that display Take in your surroundings, make the most of today Just one real connection is all it can take To show you the difference that being there can make Be there in the moment that she gives you the look That you remember forever as when love overtook The time she first holds your hand or first kissed your lips The time you first disagree but still love her to bits The time you don't have to tell hundreds of what you've just done ...because you want to share this moment with just this one. The time you'll sell your computer so you can buy a ring... ...for the girl of your dreams who is now the real thing. The time you want to start a family... ...and the moment when you first hold your little girl... ...and get to fall in love again. The time she keeps you up at night and all you want is rest. And the time you wipe away the tears as your baby flees the nest. The time your baby girl returns with a boy for you to hold. And the time he calls you granddad and makes you feel real old The time you've taken all you've made just by giving life attention and how you're glad you didn't waste it by looking down at some invention The time you hold your wife's hand sit down beside her bed You tell her that you love her and lay a kiss upon her head She then whispers to you quietly as her heart gives a final beat that she's lucky she got stopped by that lost boy in the street these times ever happened. You never had any of this. When you're too busy looking down, you don't see the chances you miss. So look up from your phone, shut down those displays. We have a finite existence, a set number of days. Don't waste your life getting caught in the net, as when the end comes, nothing's worse than regret. I am guilty too of being part of this machine, this digital world we are heard but not seen, where we type as we talk and we read as we chat, where we spend hours together without making eye contact. So don't give in to a life where you follow the hype. Give people your love, don't give them your like. Disconnect from the need to be heard and defined. Go out into the world, leave distractions behind. Look up from your phone shut down that display stop watching this video live life the real way
0: it's pretty dang good so good yeah i think i think one of the dangers is we're oblivious to the real world and another danger is obviously i mean you guys hear this all the time your students you hear this i mean this is like pounded in you but let's let's just think about this for a minute 1.6 million car accidents, vehicle accidents happened last year with people using their cell phones. 500,000 serious injuries due to those car accidents, and 6,000 people lost their lives to people texting and driving. There's obviously some boundaries that we need to set up around this because it's got all of these great benefits, but if we're not careful, There's things that that are pretty dangerous in this as well. What about bullying? Bullying on social media and texting is I think one of the greatest issues facing middle school and high school kids today. People can hide behind a screen and tear out the soul of another human being as if they are worthless and if their life doesn't matter. And it's a shame. And you read the scripture and you see things like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And you read the scripture when Jesus is asked, asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's fixing your eyes on Jesus. And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think this. If you're a believer in Jesus, you should be the mediator between any person who steps up to bully someone else. Because Jesus is the mediator who steps up on your behalf when Satan tries to bully you. There's actually an awesome story in Scripture where Jesus is, with, is, is at a house, it's a party everyone's celebrating, because Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead, and they're at Lazarus' family's house, and, and, and Martha and Mary Magdalene are there, and Martha's preparing, and Mary comes over, and she, she begins to wash Jesus' feet with this perfume and, and, and with her hair, and she's washing his feet. And, and, and people begin to rebuke her for doing this. And Jesus says this: "Leave her alone." He stepped in on her back. You're not going to bully her. I think this. When you see someone being bullied and you do nothing, you're an accomplice. You're an accomplice. And I want to challenge you. As followers of Christ, because listen, you may say, man, I've been bullied by somebody in this room. I've been, I've been texted. I've been, I've been harassed. I've been, I've been whatever by someone in this room. Not every person in this room knows Jesus. Not every person in this room is living for God. Not every person. In, and we're glad that the people who aren't living for God are in here. And we want them to hear about Christ and we want their life to be changed. And we want them to experience the full life of what it means to fix your eyes on Jesus, throw off everything that hinders. Because we passionately believe that that's where true life is found. But that's not everybody. And I would expect, I want people to say of H12, I want people to say of 12 Stone Church, those people care about the people who no one else cares about, about the people who are being put down. About the They step up and stand in on the behalf of other people. And I hope you do that. I hope you show the love of Christ that way. But there's dangers in that. and We have to put boundaries on that. And there's other things that are not so obvious. Those things are pretty obvious. You're never alone, but you're always alone. See, the phone, uh, phone uh, kind of is this, uh, research shows that the phone to, to your generation is like another appendage. That you're always with it. It's the first thing you look at when you wake up in the morning. It's the last thing you look at when you go to bed. And what studies show is, is that increasingly more people in your generation, in your age are sleeping with their phone. Why are you sleeping with your phone? It's because it's easy access. It's right there. You can hear when it goes off. You can check it whenever. In fact, they've even done research on teenagers that when they get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, they always check their phone before they go back to bed because they're afraid that they're going to miss something. It is almost like an, another person, an appendage. However, However, they're alone. They have no deep meaningful relationships and they don't even know how to have deep meaningful relationships. So conversations are like tweets, 140 characters. Nothing ever gets below the surface. I ask one of the deepest students that I know, one of the deepest students I've ever met in all of my years of ministry that attends this ministry, I ask him about some of his closest friends, and I ask him specific questions about their personal life and their soul life. Not like personal, like weird things, but like asking him personal questions about them. And I ask him those questions, and he did not know a single one of them. And he's one of the deepest people I know. Even in our conversation with our parents, it's short answers. Everything's short answers. We don't know how to have deep, meaningful relationships. That's why when you go into a life group or you go into a group and everyone sits there and looks at each other and no one talks, it's because you don't know how to talk. You don't know how to be vulnerable. You don't know how to talk about things that matter and things that are meaningful. You don't know how to get below the surface because it's so easy to hide behind a screen. And there's dangers in that, and you have to be careful. You have to watch yourself. I don't know if you've ever seen someone lose their phone before. Man, they freak out. You ever, anybody ever lost their phone before? It's like you just die. It's like somebody died. Listen, they, they, did, they did a research study on, on, uh, on uh, high school, middle school students. And, uh, and, and they asked them this question. If you had to choose to lose your phone or your car, which one would you choose? And almost every one of them chose they would rather use their car than their phone. What? It's crazy. There's other things as well. Many other things. I'll skip over them for sake of time. I would like to say this though, and this might be something good for you to write down. Your generation, my generation, we're so busy hoarding the moment that we miss the experience. We get so busy hoarding the moment that we miss the experience. It's like this, a beautiful sunset comes up and everyone wants to grab their phone, take a selfie with it in the background, take a picture of it, and in the act of trying to capture the moment, they miss the experience. Versus just watching the sunset. Experiencing the moment, taking in, having that experience. Every time something cool happens, it's like the first thing we gotta do. We gotta take a picture, we gotta video this. It's even like this in, in my home. It's just the culture that we live in. My little girl does something funny or, or whatever, and it's like the first thing we're doing is trying to grab our phones and climb it over to get our phones like, so we can take a picture of it or record it because we wanna capture that moment. And in the, in the midst of that, we end up missing the experience. So, this conversation I want to have with you tonight is about leveraging the benefits, but also setting boundaries, setting boundaries around the dangers. And I want to tell you some things that, that I do to set some boundaries, I want to tell you some things that we do to set some boundaries when it comes to digital discernment. And I think that there's a healthy way to do digital life. I want to talk to you about that right now and I want, to, I want to lay this out and this is going to be highly practical for you and I want to challenge you to take some steps to do this yourself. Let me give you an example on a broad scale a 30,000 foot. We have, I have, we have this in place here in our worship room. We believe that this is, is, this is a place of reverence. This is a place where we get to come, we get to worship the almighty God of the universe, we get to open up God's word, we get to talk about who God is, and we believe that you don't need to be distracted, whether that's by the person beside you or by your cell phone or by whatever. So we have made a strategic decision in this room to, if we see someone with their cell phone out, our adult leaders will just say, hey, could you put your cell phone away? And if you don't want to put your cell phone away, we say, I'm going to have to take your cell phone until after the service. And then if you say, I ain't giving you my phone, you ain't taking my phone, well, then you can take that phone and go outside and call your mommy because we don't babysit a bunch of children. This is a place for people who are mature enough that can handle the responsibilities that they've been given. So this place probably ain't for you. You see what I'm saying? You can't be off your phone for 45 minutes to an hour? That's crazy. Of course you can. See, we know this, that you distract yourself, you distract the people around you. And I believe that every week we pray that God would say something to you and speak in your heart. How in the world can God show you something if you're not listening because you got your phone going or your girlfriend whispering in your ear the whole time or you're writing notes back and forth? It doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? I do like reading y'all's notes, though, afterwards that y'all leave in the room. Some of them are pretty interesting, especially all the bays talking back and forth to each other. We even have we even do this we even do this like when we go on retreats and camps and things like that. You know we 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 ask our students not to bring their phones to camp retreats things like that. And the reason we do that isn't because we want to like you know punish. It's not about punishing. It's not about rules. What it's about is it's about do we want we want you to take away all the distractions in your life throw off everything that hinders and fix your eyes on Jesus because we know that if you can take away all the distractions of all your friends and everything else that are constantly bombarding you with all this information and you can just fix your eyes on Jesus for a short period of time, God can do unbelievable things in your life. And every time we go on those retreats, every time we go on those camps, there's always a little bit of this, oh, I can't believe it. I gotta leave my phone. And then when you get there and you don't have it and God does something crazy in your life and you're like, dude, this was the coolest experience I've ever had. And it's because you were able to get still before God. You were able to to grow and learn and hear something that maybe you couldn't hear before because of all the distractions going on. So let me give you some personal boundaries that I set. I call these the Derek Digital Do's. Little alliteration there, right? So here we go. We're gonna put them up on the screen. Here's the first one. Here's some of the boundaries that I set for myself. And I wanna ask you to think about this. Maybe you need to make a list like this for yourself. Here's, Here's my list. I check emails and social media twice a day. That's it, I know you're like, dude, that is crazy, bro. You were old, that's why you check it like twice a day. No, I do this for a reason. Because what I found is, is that, man, I'll be sitting there and I got time carved out in the morning, you know, uh, like for three hours this particular morning to write my sermon for H12 or, or, or do whatever that I need to do. I meet with people, whatever. And, and I had this time carved out for that. And then I would start like working on my sermon. I'd be 10 minutes in and then my, my computer would boom or my phone would buzz and I pull out my phone. I answer a text message. I'll be like, I'll oh, laugh at that tweet, retweet that, favorite that. And then I get over on my computer and I answer this email and then I get back to my message and I'm like five, 10 minutes in and then. I go back over and I get sucked into another email. And the next thing you know, I've been working for three hours and I've probably only worked about an hour and a half on my message in that three hours because I've been doing other stuff and it's all broken up and I have no focus energy. And what happens is I'm wasting time and I'm inefficient. And so during sermon prep time, I check no social media. I've turned my computer over on the side. I set my phone on silent. I put it over there because it is focused time for me and God to have a conversation about what you guys need to hear. And I owe that to you. And so I set that boundary up. It's being a steward of what God's given me so I can leverage that. The second thing is this. Give God the first part of my day. Give God the first part of my day. The only time I touch my phone in the first hour and a half of my day is to turn my alarm off when it goes off in the morning. I actually uh, was talking with Steve Walton, the the youth pastor out at uh, at Sugarloaf today. And Steve was telling me, because we were having this conversation, Steve was telling me, he said, I actually put my phone in another room when I go to bed at night. This is a boundary he set. I put it in another room at night and I bought an old school alarm clock because I'm too tempted to check my phone the first thing when I wake up in the morning because he has the same boundary to give God the first time of his day. I literally do this every morning. My alarm goes off. I turn it off. I pop up immediately. I'm not like a snooze button hitter and, uh, and I roll over, my wife is, but I roll over and I sit on the edge of my bed and I say, God, thank you for another day. Would you guide me today? Would you be with me? Would you, would you give me opportunities to share your love? Something in that fashion. I get up, I get in the shower, I get ready, I get prepared for the day, I go and teach a class at Mountain View High School, spend time with God, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And then, and then what I do, then what I do is, I get into the office, I get settled, I get a few things together, and then I pull out my phone, I pull out my computer, and I spend about a half hour hammering through emails getting the social media stuff, getting all that stuff done and knocking that stuff out, knock it out in the morning. I do it again in the afternoon and I schedule it. I put it in my calendar and things like that so that I can can be efficient in that way. That's just something I do, but I give God the first part of my day. The third one is this. If it gets me down, I log off. Some of y'all need to hear that. If it gets me down, I log off. If you're getting text messages and someone's bullying you, somebody's messing with you, on social, whatever, log off. Don't reply, don't respond, don't defend yourself, don't read that garbage, don't let that enter into your mind. Log off, turn it off, get away from it. Life is too precious to let little things like that and people around you who are immature get you down, destroy your day, depress you over that kind of stuff. So that's just something I do. The fourth thing is this, quality time, as my Twitter goes off, and uh, (laughs) hold on a sec, guys. Number four, what happened was, (laughs) number four, quality time with my family trumps any time on a device. Quality time of my family, Trump. so this is the deal. I have this rule. I keep my phone in my pocket when I'm at dinner with my wife or eating dinner with my wife, and here's why. If it's on the table, it goes off like it just did a minute ago, and I'm tempted to, be like, and to look at it. I'm tempted to do it, so I have to keep it in my pocket. I have to turn it on side, and I have to keep it in my pocket. And the reason I do that is because early on in my marriage, my wife would be like, hey, are we going to have a conversation tonight, are you just going to look at your phone all night? I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, you know who you're talking to. I'm just kidding. I like, <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, um, but that's just something I do. I, I, know, I know I'll be tempted to look if I leave it on the table, but quality time with my family trumps it. Actually, when I get home. When I get home, I, I put my phone in, on my bed in my room. I close the door. I spend time with my little baby girl who's way more precious than anything that be going on there. And I spend time with my wife and I hang out. And, uh, and then I check it. You know, I'll check it maybe later on at night, like before I go to bed or something like that. But, but that's just something I do. Number five, this is important for me. I take a digital break every hour. And so if I'm hammering away on a message, I'm hammering away on something in the office, I'm working on planning something, whatever happens to be, and I'm just buried into my computer or buried into something, every single hour I get up, I walk down the hall down here, I like walk to Starbucks or I walk to the restroom, I'll do something, I walk around, I walk out on the bridge just to give myself some fresh air, I take a five to ten minute break, and then I go back in and I, and I, get, and I go again. And it helps me to be fresh. It helps my mind to keep going. And and that's just something that I do. It's a boundary that I need to set. And I'm not telling you these are boundaries that you need to set. These are boundaries that I need to set. There are different boundaries that you may need to set. And some of these may trigger in your brain some of the ones that you need to set. But I wanted to get you to thinking about maybe something that you've never thought about before. And that is set boundaries on your social media. Set boundaries on these things. The sixth one is this. This is probably one of the most important things that you need to hear. I post nothing that creates a barrier for people to see Jesus. I post nothing that creates a barrier for people to see Jesus. I don't talk smack about other people online. Why? Because that's revealing of me. And that creates a barrier to other people wanting to listen to what I have to say about Jesus. You know what else I don't post online? I don't post political views I don't get into uh, conversations and arguments over whatever it may be. I don't get in arguments online. I I don't post any crazy, like divisive stuff. I don't post my opinions on Obama or Republicans or Democrats or anything like that. And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. The reason why is that I am first a follower of Christ above everything else. And when I post something like that and someone else disagrees with my view who's not a follower of Christ and we get in an argument and I hurt that relationship because of some stupid thing that I posted and now they can't see Jesus because my political views are in the way, I have just placed a barrier between that person and Jesus. Does that make sense? Man, some people just can't help themselves when they see somebody post something and they want to get in some big debate online about it. And this is what happens. You cannot, we're, we're so bad about this. We post conclusions without having the conversation. We post conclusions without having the conversation. So this is what you do. Somebody will post, this is what I think about homosexuality. They post their conclusion. No one's having the, well, I don't think that, I think this. Well, I don't think that, I think this. And then there's a shouting match back and forth. Well, you Christian people are bigots and haters. Well, you people are misunderstood. You people are judgmental. And it turns into this montage of hate speech coming from all over the place. And I do not associate myself in those conversations for one major reason. That is not, you don't need to hear my conclusion on that. You need to have a conversation with me about that because you need to know how I got to the conclusion because if you don't know how I got to the conclusion, you're not going to understand my conclusion. See, if you know how I get to the conclusion, you're not going to say it's hate speech because you're going to know how I got there. And it's not just about that issue, but it's about any issue. If what you're saying isn't edifying Christ or other people, then you need to fix your eyes on Jesus and throw off everything that hinders. You've got to be more mature. You've got to grow up. You have to set boundaries. These are boundaries that I have to set because I haven't always done things that way. And I've hurt relationships and I've hurt other people. I actually saw this a couple months ago. This lady got upset because of something that she heard in a message from H-12 on a H-12 night. And she, not from me, but it was from a guest speaker and she was listening to our podcast and she posted online this, I can't believe this person said this at 12 stone, blah, blah, blah. Someone else posts all oh, twelve stone. That's that cult place. Blah 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 blah. And then twelve stone people get on there. Twelve stone people are like twelve stone's the greatest place ever, you know, and like all this kind of stuff. And it's like this shouting match back and forth about is twelve stone cool? Is it not cool? Is it this? Is it that? Is it whatever? And 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 we're going back and forth on this whole thing because this lady misunderstood stuff. So this is what I did. I called the lady. I called her. Oh, I did. And this is what I said. This is what I said. I said, how many friends on Facebook do you have that are non-believers? She said, a lot. I said, how many of them are going to want to attend church, are going to want to have anything to do with Christianity or Jesus when they see your post about ripping something that someone said in the church and you never went and had a conversation with us about it. And they're hearing all of this stuff and they're seeing people going back and forth on this thing and they're like, "Mm, there's some crazy church people again. And you make yourself look like a fool and you make the church look like a fool and nobody wants to be a part of it. That's why you have to watch what you post. And let me tell you something. You don't just represent Christ by the words that you post, but you represent Christ by the pictures that you post too. (laughs) And I don't know if you guys know this, but many of you follow us on Twitter and we follow you. So when you post yourself doing certain things, we see it come up on our feed and we're like, dang, man, I thought that girl was a good girl. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Can we just be real? I'm just being real. And let me just say this. Let me say this, and we're going to wrap this up. Let me say this. Let me say this, because it's appropriate for the times. We understand the times. Let me tell you what I understand. I understand that in four days from now, you are going to be dismissed you're going to be dismissed for spring break which is exciting which is exciting but let me tell you this let me tell you this there's a lot there's a lot of regret that happens over spring break the week after spring break because people don't fix their eyes on Jesus and throw off everything that hinders and literally I oftentimes have to shut off all of my social media stuff and fast from it for several weeks after because people are posting scandalous, I'm on the beach pictures, if you know what I'm saying. And I know that you want everybody to think that your body is hot, but you need to know that That is going out to a lot of people. And that stuff never goes away. When we talk about digital discernment, you need to know this, that you have a digital footprint of everything that you have ever posted can be pulled up and searched. And actually, companies now, major companies, before they hire someone, they hire an investigator to go and dig up everything that they can find on you that you've ever posted from your digital footprint and they look at it and they take it all the way back and you may not get hired for a job and not even know why because you posted some dumb picture of yourself on spring break at something on 2015 and you may not even know it and you say man that's ridiculous no it's not ridiculous it happens all the time some of the adults in here are going yep it's true. You have a digital footprint. That stuff doesn't go away. So what are the boundaries that you need to set around your digital life and and how can you leverage it to share your faith? How can you leverage it to represent Christ? We're going to do something a little different tonight because we have something special going on this weekend. We have a group of people that are leaving to go to Haiti on a mission trip. And uh, it's pretty cool. I'm actually going on that trip. And so this is what I want to do. I want to have the, the Haiti people come down front. Where my Haiti people at? And um, where they at? Where they at? And uh, we got some Haiti people come down. Two, four, 6, eight, ten. We're missing some people. It's am sorry. Right. So... So anyways, we got a, a group of us going down to Haiti on Saturday. We're going to be going for the week. And listen, if you follow us, if you follow us on our Facebook fan page or whatever, if, uh, most of you probably don't even have Facebook anymore, but if you follow us on our Facebook pan, fan page, we're going to be posting. Uh, stuff like kind of updates of what's going on on our trip All of us will be posting different things so you can follow us posting pictures all that kind of stuff We'd love for you to uh, just kind of track along with us and to be praying for us But what I want to do right now is I want to pray over them I want us to pray over them And so if you're friends with one of these people and you want to come down and just put a hand on their shoulder and pray over them, If you're one of the leaders and you want to come down and just kind of like love on them a little bit and pray over them, We're going to do that the band's going to come up and uh, and we're going to do a little worship right after this prayer time I'm going to miss you. Yeah, man. Don't you touch it. Oh, that's that. <laughs> All right. Let's pray. So, God, we are so thankful, Lord, for your son, Jesus. We're so thankful, Lord, for... Uh, God, even what this week represents, where you were arrested, where you were tried, and, Lord, where you were crucified. But, God, we celebrate this weekend that on the third day you rose again. You defeated sin. You defeated death. And you are risen And God, we rest in the power, the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power of God that lives in every person who follows him. And so God, I just pray, Lord, that that power would rest in us next week, that you would protect us, protect this team, that you would guide us and lead us, that you would give us opportunities to share your love, that people would come to know you, that the church would be built up and edified. God, that you would protect us on our travels, that you would protect us from getting sick, that you would watch over us, Lord, and that, that, that you would just be, be Lord of our lives this week. I pray that you would change all of us, that not a single one of us would come back without an experience with you and that it would be absolutely amazing and incredible and that we would get to share that with every person in this room. And so, Father, we do pray uh, for your guidance. We pray that your, your Holy Spirit would prepare our hearts and prepare the hearts of the people we're gonna be doing ministry with. And uh, Lord, that you would um, that you would uh, be glorified in everything we do in Jesus' name, Amen.